Hello, and welcome to Sweet Valley Online. This week, we're discussing Sweet Valley High number two, Secrets. I'm Dove, and I have never been off my tits on bennies and run over a small child. I'm here with the equally well-behaved Wing and Raven. I'm Wing, and again, I resent being called well-behaved. I had my troublesome teens. I'm Raven, and I know some secrets. Would you like to hear them? Not really. So this week, we're talking about Sweet Valley High number two, Secrets. And in this book, there are far more asshats than than there are secrets. But to give a quick rundown on the secrets, they are as follows. Enid has a deep, dark past. That's it. The WWE has more deeply woven plots than this. But here's what Francine's little minions did with this one. Jessica wants to be queen of the full dance because she's got the hots for Bruce Patman. Ronnie Edwards is on the dance committee and he is dating Enid Rollins. Enid was once a tweaker who ran over a small child while joyriding with her hot ex, George Warren. Elizabeth is a saint who listens to all problems sympathetically and then offers literally the worst advice possible. When Enid shares her deep dark past and expresses worry that Ronnie, who is an abusive man-child, will not understand, Elizabeth is like, it'll be fine. I know he beat that guy in your history class to a bloody pulp when you double-checked a fact with him, but aside from that, and all the hissy fits and possessiveness, there is literally no evidence at all, except for everything he's ever said or done, that he's going to be pissed off about this. And Enid's like, but I've been writing to my ex. Here, let me show you the letters. Elizabeth, never one to change her strategy, sticks with shoulder patting and saying it's fine. This leads to Jessica finding the letter and she immediately takes a photocopy of it and puts it in Ronnie's locker, working on the logic that if he's on the committee and has no control over who is made king or queen, because that's all done by voting, this will totally secure her place as queen alongside King Bruce. Meanwhile, Lila is sulking because her date, the now tall Ken Matthews, has a crush on Miss Dalton, the hot young French teacher who's dating Lila's father, and we all know Lila has daddy issues. So she starts a rumour that Miss Dalton is banging her student. All of this nonsense culminates in a clusterfuck that, that does a lot of treading water, and nobody really investigates. Ronnie drops Enid, Enid blames Elizabeth, Jessica makes things worse. Nobody gives a shit that a teacher might be committing statutory rape. George, Enid's ex, shows up to take her to the dance. The act of a boy liking her makes her get over her anger with Elizabeth. Miss Dalton proudly shows up to the dance and dances with Mr. Collins. So, I guess that fixes all those child rape rumours? Jessica is crowned queen with Winston as her king, the latter being Elizabeth's grand revenge plan for destroying her best friend's life and ruining their relationships. Yes, Elizabeth used a person that she allegedly values as revenge against her sister. I kind of hate everyone who is an Enid. And that was Secrets. Nice. I did think then when you were, when you were listening who was dropping people that you were going to say, Ronnie drops Enid, Enid drops acid. <laughs> fair that would be fair (laughs) that would certainly liven things up no no she's already had her time as the drug doing delinquent she can't go back to that i didn't hate this one as much as double love but i definitely didn't love it to me it was a lot of person walks into a room and rumor that we're already well aware of is repeated and it's so boring 
I agree. I also didn't hate this one as much as I disliked Double Love. And I think, and I tried to talk about this in my summary of the recap, I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just the repetition, but it feels like nothing happens in these books, both Double Love and this one, or that not enough happens to fill the length of the book. And I think in part, it's because so much happens off screen. We're really told X thing happened or X thing happened. So none of it feels immediate is maybe what I'm reaching for here. So it, it just feels like we're seeing the same, oh, someone's gossiping. And here's people talking about the gossip. And that's all we get. And it it makes twins feel like they were full of plot, which they weren't. We often complained uh, in them about there not being enough plot, even if it was an A, B, and C plot. And maybe that's part of this too. There is no real B plot to it. I mean, yes, there's the statutory rape allegations, but that honestly ties back into the A plot in that it's all about girls hating on each other because of guys and so-called secrets, which are really just lies in a couple cases. So there's just nothing here to react to, really. I did like Enid. Like, I'll I'll definitely give it that. Like, having read various recaps and seen people discussing her, she is nobody's favorite character. Really? Yeah, but usually um, the people who are discussing those are like people who got into this in the 90s like as teens and there's a lot of media that I forgive because it holds nostalgic value and like characters that are problematic now like Jessica and twin she does some horrible shit not quite on par with high shit but you Mm. know she's still my favorite but yeah Enid is nobody's favorite but I came out of this like teamy Enid which is not a compliment by the way everybody else is really really awful this is only the second book that we've seen and Enid's first time that she really had anything to do other than simp over Elizabeth and what, her, what she was doing. So it may well be that being team Enid is quite easy at this point, but down the line, it could be that she just gets worse and worse and more and more bland. Or as we saw with like uh, Amy, um, Amy at the beginning, she was trying out for the boosters and she had things to do and things to say. But by the end of it, it was like, oh, your house burnt down. I wish you were in it when it did. <laughs> so. Damn. All right. See, I quite, li- I, I, I quite liked this book. Or when I say liked it, that's a bit of a strong, a strong description. I enjoyed it more than I did the first one, um, as did we all. But I was coming from just feeling meh about the first one. And in this one, uh, I didn't get quite up to the good standard. So I'm more like, meh? So, meh, slightly higher pitched. I, I also think that I'm now coming to terms with a number of the things that I brought with me in my baggage from Twins that I'm now realising you got to let that shit go. Otherwise, for the next 130 books, I'll be going, for oh, Todd, she knew Todd all along. You know what I mean? And it's like, right, okay. There's things that you have to sort of go, okay, I'll hand wave that away and I'll try to enjoy these books for what they are. And there were things in the book that I did enjoy. Um, I know a lot of the points that are going to be raised here, I will agree with, um, but maybe they just didn't have as big an impact on me as they did on other people. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I said this last week, but I I am also enjoying that there is sort of like the arena for more adult topics. Yes. I'm not loving 
the shitty way they're approaching them. But I do like that they're there because um, recently I tried to write a reboot of Twins and I thought, I'll just outline my Nano. And I was looking at it going, this is not the 9 to 12 age range. And I did want that higher higher stakes yeah, kind of age group. So I, I am liking that, that we have that ability. But at the moment, it's just very clumsily handled. And I mean, we're two for two on false sexual abuse allegations. I mean, I mean, this isn't quite the same thing, but it is still a privileged white girl alleging sexual assault because Ken is a minor and cannot consent because she can't have her own way. And it's like, wow, that's that's a bold stance to take in the first two books of a series. I mean, it was the 80s, so I suppose we hadn't even developed the nice reaction to adult woman, young young boy sexual assault. It's weird because I think I mentioned this in the recap, but I didn't read Lila's starting of this rumour as her actually starting a rumour. I read it as her and Jessica being catty and bitchy and just saying, oh, yeah, Benny Fantasia, what would you do if she if, if she actually came on to him? <laughs> and then the whole thing getting out of hand. I may have misread that at the time, but I read it as a very believable and not particularly vindictive way of things being miscommunicated. And so when the parallels are drawn to the sort of child sexual assault and statutory rape of a minor while you're a teacher, I think that was an unintended consequence. I actually agree. I don't necessarily think that Lila intended for it to go this way. My issue with the whole situation is... So Dove will address, I think, better the statutory rape side with her analysis. But my issue outside of that is that nothing is done about this. So yes, Lila didn't intend for it to go this far. But once the rumor spreads, everyone's treating it as no big deal. Like it's more salacious that, oh, Ken likes someone than it is that this teacher may be involved with her student. Nothing happens even, I don't necessarily expect to see it happen within the chapters where the focus is on the teenage characters, because obviously and understandably, they are very self-obsessed and focused on their own concerns. But that scene at the dance where her just showing up and going to the other teachers and staff is seen as this culmination that, oh, she won because she didn't leave. I just cannot suspend my disbelief that nothing is said to her about this. Like that that's the triumphant issue to address two things first thing in the book when the rumor gets started lila does say it and Kara comes over and she's like what ken shagging miss dalton uh i don't believe it and lila says believe it and you've got to take a bit of responsibility like that is the same equivalent as giving that gossip to caroline pierce like i mean these two are literally i don't know why that they have two separate characters, to be honest. And then, so while it may not have been her intention, it could have been a far more interesting book, which we will loop back to, if the rumour had got out got out of hand. And I will come back to that. But to address what Wing said, there's also that scene uh, where Enid goes to Miss Dalton's house to cry about 
like how she wants her boyfriend back. Hmm. And Miss Dalton is like, yeah, I spoke to the principal and I've offered to hand in my notice um, because the rumors are so bad. And I'm like, well, no offense, but any principal worth their salt should be investigating this, no matter how implausible it is. Like, first of all, that like, if she is guilty of doing that, then she needs to be punished and taken away from children, minors. And if she's not done it, then someone needs to have a word with whoever started this fucking rumor and say, you just nearly destroyed a young woman's career. Are you proud of yourself? Although, to be fair, Lila would be like, yep, gold digging bitch. I don't actually think that would happen, even if there was research into it and or investigation into it. And they found uh, Dalton innocent of all of this. Two things I think would really care for that. One, no one would do anything about where their rumors started. That just, from experience and seeing stuff in this arena, that doesn't happen. But number two, Dalton would be so tainted by even just the suggestion of it that she wouldn't be able to stay. She'd have to resign or it'd be on her permanent record and she wouldn't be able to get another school. But the fact that none of this is even, that she's resigning because... It feels like she has offered to resign because of the embarrassment of it, not because this is something that could so deeply impact her career going forward and, you know, her freedom from prison. I mean, Dawson's Creek actually dealt with this story. They had a 40-ish teacher sleeping with a 15-year-old boy. Fuck. Yeah. Um, And... What's really alarming about it is it was sort of, it tried to convey that it wasn't quite right. They also did show quite a few romantic scenes. Like, it was definitely consensual, but it was all sorts of wrong. And that teacher did end up having to leave because the rumors and Pacey, the the 15-year-old boy, actually came forward and was like, oh, no, I, I was just bragging, you know, like guys do it was locker room talk i was talking about how i'd love to take her out as if this woman would ever look at me when all the, all along he was but she still had to go and her career was absolutely torpedoed rightly so and she should be in prison but anyway <laughs> you know but there was only well, i suppose there was pretty about yeah there was a decade or so between those two things even though i read them and watched them only say eight years apart six years i don't know but yeah, there should be what would have been better is if Elizabeth had campaigned to get to the bottom of it cuz like that's a perfect Elizabeth through line. Protect the innocent teacher, truth, justice, the American way, an exposé on <laughs> bullshit that like gossip and rumors in her eyes and ears gossip column. <laughs> that's true. You know, and then we could have had that moral thing of like, you nearly destroyed a young woman's life because you were feeling peevish. And I agree with Raven that maybe I didn't read it that way, but it, it certainly would have been far more interesting if they hadn't meant for the rumor to start at all. If it had been very clearly yeah. just girls being bitchy, if Lila was like, oh, 
he should just snogger and get it over and done with like and then Jessica saying oh you know they could get married and we could call her Mrs Matthews instead of Ms Dalton and you know they're all just having silly childish girly catty laughs about it and it would have been fine and Caroline Pierce or someone overheard and then you know by the end of the day the rumors are going around that you know twin style the way they used to mutate like with maria slater and by the end of the day you know ken and miss dalton are planning to run away in a lope in vegas at the weekend or something and <laughs> that's why she can't chaperone the dance like that would have been far more fun than because i don't think it was clear that she didn't i don't know how to say this like yeah, it wasn't true, but she didn't really care who who heard it and who ran with that story. I think the the version that you have suggested, we already have precedent for it, too, because that's basically what happened last book. Jessica's talking to the police officer. He calls her Elizabeth. She doesn't correct him, but she's not spreading the rumor that it was Elizabeth. It gets spread elsewhere from people who overheard it. She just, you know, doesn't take it back. Does it say that it was her? So yeah, I think that we've seen the, how the gossip can mutate. Uh, and I assume we know this from being teenagers too, at one point, gossip mutates and spreads quickly. And that I think would have been an interesting way to look at that compared to how the true statement when it comes to Enid, that she has this dark past, and she's been in communication with her ex-boyfriend, how that also gets twisted. So here's a truth that can be changed. And here's a lie that can be changed. Because it was very uninspired for them, like, for both rumours to start and end in the same place. Because we've all seen rumours. I mean, we've all seen fandoms go wild. Because someone said, XYZ is a thing. And someone's like, well, if XYZ, you can extrapolate that ABC is almost certainly canon. And all of a sudden, you've got a fandom like Sherlock, for example, who think that there is a final secret secret episode coming that will make Sherlock and John, you know, get married or something. And that's <laughs> a thing that actually happened. So it would be great to see something, you know, as wild and extravagant as that rather than did you know Enid used to do drugs? And ooh, wouldn't it be weird if Ken shagged his teacher? I can honestly see both of those being interesting base of a gossip chain, but I don't know that I would have liked to have seen it spread more dramatically. Okay, Enid does drugs and is writing to her ex-boyfriend becomes, okay, Enid was this major drug dealer and she ran off to different countries all the time to bring her sash back and she hid them in, I don't know, Barbie dolls or something. Like I really wanted drama. And maybe that's why when I said earlier that it feels like very little happens. It's all very eh. Because there's not a lot of drama that I expect, both because it's Sweet Valley and then because Lila and Jessica are involved in this. I want drama from them, not just this casual cruelty. Uh, and mostly that's to Jessica and how she treats people she professes to deeply care about. But that's kind of a separate issue. I think it'd also be better if it, was, if it wasn't Enid Rollins and it was actually Enid Escobar. But... I to take your point with with the the lack of drama and the lack of things going on I think that is a I think that is a restriction that was placed upon twins by not having access to the flirty flirty sexy time stories 
um, that, you know, the small, low-level high school bitchery that this series seems to be concentrating on in the first couple of books, at least. Because that wasn't really a thing for twins, because it would be all manner of creepy and squicky if it was 11-year-olds doing the same thing. They had to find another way and other things to talk about. And they did so with a you know a decent amount of success because there were things with plots and fun stuff that happened. And hopefully, as the series goes on, in fact, I sort of know this to be true, although I don't know specifics. Hopefully, as the series goes on, there'll be more space in it for wacky hijinks and madcap nonsense that comes in, ridiculous scenarios, simply because they will run out of repeating the same, well, he said he said this, I fancy you, I'm not going to tell you this, end, you know? Well, I do know for certain that Jessica will get stranded on a deserted island again for the second time in her life, so that's that's coming. Does she mention the first time? She does not. I actually did reread it uh, just to see. She doesn't mention it. No, but to be honest, I think the high one came out before the twins one. Probably. I'm sorry. This is the this is the Todd debacle all over again. <laughs> She's met Todd. Flip a table. Okay. Well, we've kind of touched on this, but like, how how would we actually improve this book? Because I thought some bits of it didn't make sense, and we've already touched on how the gossip was very flatliney and didn't bring the drama that Wing wanted. I do want drama. I think. Because, again, from fandom osmosis, I feel like Sweet Valley High is a soap opera, but these first few books are not soap opera-ish. And Dove has promised me from day one of Sweet Valley that there are werewolves. So I constantly have this thrum in the back of my head that any book would be better with werewolves because they're coming. So yes, I wanted gossipy werewolves. There you go. Why don't you tell us about what you thought was... did you say confusing or didn't make sense? Because I'm curious about that. Well, I thought it was ridiculous that Jessica, um, Jessica's entire plan was Ronnie is on the dance committee. He probably wants his girlfriend to win. I must break his girl, uh, him and his girlfriend up. It's like, yes, he's on the committee. Like, what kind of sway do you think? he has like he's not popular you're popular you're gonna get more votes whether ronnie says go jessica or not i just thought it was i thought it was stupid because like i actually talked it out with raven um after he finished reading the book because i was raging and he needed to calm me down and raven said that there was an implication that jessica believed that he could rig the voting for her and I'm just like, what gave you that idea? Because Ronnie seems to be a straight arrow, like piously, just hideously straight arrow. Like he he would not do that. And uh, I just thought it was stupid, to be honest. I The way I saw that was that Ronnie, she thought Ronnie had sway with maybe communications over the thing. Um, and she would be, he would be, he would be able to big up Enid, his girlfriend, in various posts that he might make on it, you know, sending out, I don't know, newsletters or whatever they did back in then. But also, more pertinently, I think that Jessica's like, this man is on the committee. If I was on the committee, I would be rinsing these motherfuckers for all the things that I can do. 
So Ronnie's obviously doing that because if she was on the committee, for example, and she wanted to get Elizabeth voted, she would do something about it on the committee. She would abuse her committee powers and get everything she wanted through her Machiavellian nonsense. And it was that that made me go, well, somebody else on the committee was obviously doing the same thing. So that's why I'm going to come through with this ridiculous plan. It still doesn't stand up to scrutiny, um, as you were saying, Dove, because of the um, the fact that it's votes that, that get this. Um, but then again, neither does the end, where for, for the actual denouement, Elizabeth, who's since found out that Jessica's been the one with the um, letters and trying to wreck Enid's life, and she goes, right, I'm going to have my, my master plan revenge by spreading a rumour that Jessica likes Winston. And it's like, right, okay. And the whole thing with Winston being made, um, I'll call it Homecoming King or Dance King or whatever it was, that's like, okay, so this is part of Je- uh, Elizabeth's revenge plan. What did she actively do? If all she did was spread a rumour, then Winston won that fucking crown on his own. And fair play to him. And nobody seems to mention that. It should be, you know, Winston was voted prom king or whatever, dance king, and Bruce wasn't because more people voted for Winston. But I don't like the whole using Winston as revenge on Jessica because for that to be any kind of revenge or any kind of lol, yeah, I'll vote that, you have to first acknowledge that Winston is some kind of loser, that the hilarity of this jape lies in the fact that Jessica Wakefield is beautiful and Winston Egbert is ugly, and that's very funny. Okay, so you're saying that there's a... Everyone is voting for Winston for a joke. I didn't see that. It might be... the. It might be, you might be right, but... That's how I read it, because Winston is such a joke to everyone. It, like, even Elizabeth, like, she has to have her realisation moment when she talks to him. She's like, oh, yes, I value you. You might be ugly and unfuckable, but you're not completely without merit. I am such a saint for noticing that. So if even our good girl thinks up until she speaks to him that he's a joke, what am I supposed to think the rest think? Because, you know, if Kara Walker hears that Jessica fancies Winston, her reaction is going to be, no, she fucking doesn't, but it would be funny. Um, And that's the reaction I see happening for universally most of these Sweet Valley Twig bitches. And, and by bitches, I do mean boys as well. Sorry. I think there's a lot of different things that and very disparate things that have to fall in a place to make the situation happen as it is. But first, I want to say that, yes, I think what Dove is saying is what is meant to have happened in the books, that he is just this universal joke. But in theory, I don't think that everyone has to think of him as a joke or see him as a punishment in order for setting Jessica up with someone she does not like as a punishment. Like that's still using someone to punish her, which is shitty. But I don't think that whoever it was had to be this universal joke in order for this to be a punishment. Everyone else could love him. If Jessica hated him, Elizabeth can look at that as punishing her. But that's the side. Cause I think that Dove's right. The, the actual broad mockery of him is 
what this book is meant to have done. There's so many pieces that, okay, so was Winston voted in because of a Carrie moment where they're making fun of him? Uh, Did Elizabeth actually do something to rig the votes? Which honestly, that's how I read it the first time I read through it. Not even thinking about Elizabeth the Saint probably never doing something like that. That's what my initial assumption was that she did something to rig the votes specifically to punish her sister. Does all the voting happen based around who can encourage people enough, which is what I thought Jessica wanted Ronnie to do, that she was worried because Ronnie, not that he was going to change something on the committee, but that he was going to talk Enid up enough and encourage people to vote for her, that he had enough popularity in the voting public, which is likely not everyone in the school, just a very specific subset, that that's what she was worried about. Though, I really liked Raven's point that, well, Jessica would mess with the results. Of course, she assumes everyone else would too. There's so many different potential reasons that have to exist to make this work that it just didn't work. It's far too much of a coincidence for it all to come together, unless there is some actual cheating happening to get Winston in there because it, it just, I cannot buy that Elizabeth is spreading this rumor to punish Jessica. And at the same time, everyone is voting for Winston as some sort of carry mockery. And at the same time, Eden was going to be voted in because of her boyfriend's marketing of her throughout the school. There's just too much, too many different things. The thing is, like, none of this was covered, so we will never know. But to answer at least the vote tampering, the text makes a point to say that when Elizabeth enters the dance, she stops to talk to Caroline Pierce, and the text pauses to tell us how ugly Caroline looks today. And then she walks away from that conversation with a big smile on her face. So it was basically, Jessica fancies Winston, tell everyone you know. And that, that that was how it worked. Which does make me wonder, was Elizabeth's plan just to spread the rumor because so much of this book turns on gossip? Or did she, I mean, yes, it kind of comes across like her intention was to do that. So Winston is then voted in as king and Jessica seems to believe that too. But Elizabeth's so spineless so often that I could absolutely see her also, I can absolutely see her punishment being just the rumor that jessica has a crush on winston i think that was the punishment i think she did nothing else i think as with the last book her retribution for jessica's absolute shithousery is just massively underwhelming it's just like i'm going to put salt in her sugar in her sugar sachets (laughs) she has murdered five people but that will be a fitting response yeah, because when Enid comes up to her, Elizabeth's like, okay, so I know who, who shared your letters, but I can't tell you. It's like, wow, let me think on that for a moment. Who would you protect even though they've done something awful? Yeah, that's some bullshit and very obvious. The answer is very obvious. So that's, uh, it's so much for friendship. That's fucked up. Overall, what did what did we think of this? Do we want to go to ratings now? Um, I, before we do, I just want to mention uh, Ronnie. Ronnie, and yes. That's the, just an absolute, he needs to be yeeted into the sun. Such a wrong. And that whole scene when after he'd found the letter in his locker and he drove, drove uh, he needed up to make out point. 
Uh, Miles Seaman, he was like kissing her furiously, but she didn't know. It, he, he, she could feel the stubble. He was basically saying, you, you know, um, she could feel the alcohol on his breath. <laughs> um, and then he pulled away and went, you're a bitch. And then he pulled her back in and kissed her again and then pulled away and said, get out of my fucking car. And it was just so uncomfortable and just horrible, horrible, horrible scene. Yeah, Ronnie absolutely sucks. And mm. something I discovered about him, when I went to add him to the tags on our site, he already existed. So I checked him out. And little piece of trivia. Do you remember back in sixth grade when Mr. Davis divided up the class by gender and all the girls had to do shit and all the boys got all the cool jobs? Uh, well, a subplot of that was that uh, they were going to put forward a committee to speak to the council about new classrooms in the sixth grade. And Elizabeth desperately wanted to be on that committee. And Jessica arranged for one of the boys to go off sick so that the boys would have less votes than the girls. Uh, Ronnie should have been on that committee. He wasn't the, bo uh, the boy that went off sick. But he he should have been on that committee. I'm like, oh, so he wasn't always at all. I guess when his mummy left, he got all of his issues and decided to blame women. Yeah, that does sound about right. In that story, he was a perfectly nice, well-spoken boy. And even Elizabeth thought to herself, oh, if there wasn't all the sexism going on, I wouldn't mind working with Ronnie. He's a nice guy. Oh, fucking hell, he changed. But the other thing about Ronnie is, obviously, his entire sort of jealousy, rage, and incel nonsense about, oh, uh, oh, you're writing to George, your ex-boyfriend, you've not told, you're obviously shagging him, it's all terrible, and I hate you, you're just a wrong, you're just a wrong, and we must split up. And she goes through all that, and it's all absolute bullshit. And then George turns up for the dance, and she rocks up at the dance with George, and that whole thing, no matter what you think of Ronnie, there's no teaching, learning moment for him there because he's basically went, you've been all this time going behind my back with George. And then she turns up with George. So as far as he can see, he was right. And that is a horrible, horrible message and a horrible ending to his arc when he should have been proved demonstrably wrong because he's a dickhead. There shouldn't, you know, it should, there shouldn't have been any reinforcement of what he thinks at that stage. Very, very valid point. Very valid point. All this is going to do is make him worse the next time. Obviously, no woman can be trusted. Next time, I'm going to kill her rather than just kick her out of my car. Well, anyway, that was all I wanted to raise. Uh, I was just going to add, and of course, it goes without saying that Enid's self-worth is still in the gutter. She started the book terrified that she's going to lose her boyfriend because she's got a deep, dark past. Now she's got a boyfriend. She still hasn't really worked on any of her insecurities or worries. And never once did her best friend say to her, you're actually better than all this and you really don't need that, that asshat man-child. So I feel certain that sooner or later... Enid will spiral again when George breaks up with her. Friendships in this book, in these two books we've read, are just not friendships. Like, it's have there are moments in this one where Enid and Elizabeth have exchanges that I do think show an actual sweet friendship. Like, uh, Enid's down, so Elizabeth bakes cookies with her. And I thought that was charming. Like, that does sound like something that 
someone would do for their friend, bake with them to cheer them up. I'm not sure Elizabeth would specifically bake, but if I take it that she would, then yeah, I think that's very cute. But on the big picture things, none of these people seem to actually be friends. And a huge part of that is we have seen all throughout Twins, we saw Elizabeth and Jessica caring for each other. Sometimes they were shitty to each other, sometimes they weren't. But at the core of it, I could see why they loved each other and were friends. I cannot see why anyone actually thinks of Jessica as a friend in this book, or any of them, really. They're all terrible to each other. And I hope that some of that is just because at this point in High, they're still building this world. Like, we're only two books into Sweet Valley as a whole. So perhaps they will become less horrible to each other. But I'm not optimistic that that's what's going to happen, unfortunately. Let's keep that soundbite and see where we're at in like a year's time. Great. Okay, guys, shall we move on to ratings now? Uh, We have five ratings in this scale, and they start with stupendous. Then we have good, meh, bad, and kill it with fire. Let's do this backwards alphabetically. Wing. It's just meh and a low meh at that. Like, I mean, I didn't hate it the way I did the first book, but again, and I know I said this a couple times, so I don't really want to repeat myself, but it just feels like there's nothing to this book. So yeah, it was just kind of meh. Occasionally, I was very annoyed at it. Occasionally, I thought sweet things were happening. But overall, eh. Raven? Uh, I too am going to go with meh, although maybe a slightly higher meh. Uh, than Wing. I did enjoy some parts of it. Specifically, I enjoyed the time when Elizabeth had found out about the letter and was conversing with Jessica in a very passive-aggressive, oh, so you think you're okay, do you? Are you not guilty? That's fine. I thought that was quite fun, and I thought it would lead to something really cool and a proper punishment, in inverted commas, for the um, transgressions of the book that Jessica had subjected everyone to. Of course, it turned into, I poured sugar in her gas tank. <laughs> so I did enjoy that. I also enjoyed um, other aspects of the book. I, I enjoyed the fact that the adult conversations were continuing. And, and, and I think that is going to lead in the fullness of time to more things to listen to and more, more interesting plots um, as we get, as we, as we explore this world further. But. Unfortunately, it stays a meh, as Wing said, because of things like there is no real plot in this thing. Nothing happens apart from people bickering in the background. And also just things like Ronnie. Just Ronnie needs hoofing into the sea. Just awful. So, yeah, overall, meh. I am also going with a meh, which gives us a trifecta of meh or a trimeta, if you like. <laughs> Boo. Shut up. That was better writing than the than the actual book. I love the way you've just changed your your <laughs> changed your rating to med just so that works. That's fantastic. Good work. Well, to be honest, if I put if I originally thought it was bad, it wasn't actually as bad as that because, you know, it's a long way off double love. And while Ra- uh, Raven said that the scene with Ronnie was really uncomfortable, I have to say I actually give props for how it was written because I was genuinely worried about Enid, even though I knew that nothing bad happened to Enid. Like I remembered that from my teenage years, but I was like, maybe it did. And I blocked it out for a second. I was genuinely a bit alarmed 
So for all that was absolutely that was really basically and boringly written and for every beige paint choice the ghostie made and every offensive choice the ghostie made that one section was tensely written you know it 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 made me anxious for her and yeah it's it just it wasn't good it wasn't the worst thing ever like yeah it's perfectly meh Okay, well, that about wraps everything up. So thank you for joining us and see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks. Thank you. You have been listening to the Sweet Valley Online podcast on Sweet Valley High number two, Secrets, which was recorded on the 11th of September, 2022. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at Sweet Valley Online. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash Sweet Valley Online. You can access all of our past recaps and podcasts at sweetvalley.online. Check us out on facebook.com forward slash sweetvalleyonline or find us on Twitter under sweetvalley underscore devil's elbow pod and bookshelf underscore raven. You can find links to our Patreon and Ko-fi in the show notes. Next week, we'll be talking about Sweet Valley High number three, playing with fire. So be sure to join us then. Until next time, May your friend's evil twins never blab your secrets in exchange for a cheap tiara made of plastic and rhinestones. Bye!